The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and it's May 19th, 2015. Welcome to the show. My host, Spencer G., will be joining me later, but I think we need to get right into the events of the day, starting with what else? Deflategate. The Ted Wells report is out, and you know the results. Troy Vincent has levied a heavy fine against the New England Patriots in the form of $1 million. Well, in your pocket, that would be the equivalent of a nickel falling out of your pocket on a windy day. That, per se, isn't a big deal. He suspended Tom Brady, America's boy, for four games to start off the season. And the Patriots aren't happy. In fact, they've taken a first-round draft pick from the New England Patriots. And they are appealing. Now we have a good old-fashioned mud fight between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. As Roger Goodell, as he rightfully can, is invoking the rules in the collective bargaining agreement and stating that he will handle the appeal. He will be judge and jury of the appeal. And what do you think he's going to do? Of course, he's going to uphold the league. He's not going to go against Troy Vincent. And frankly, it doesn't appear that the Patriots will be able to introduce any new evidence that hasn't already been considered in the 223-page Ted Wells report. My thoughts? I think four games is heavy. However, given the backdrop of the NFL's incompetence with the Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson matters last year, it seems inevitable. Roger Goodell must exert his influence. He must try to gain respect for his office, or he's one major faux pas away from being unemployed. And there are about 15 million good reasons why Roger isn't going to walk away from his job. Fast forward. To sports science. I'm referencing John Brankis at Sports Science on Twitter. You could follow it, read his article nine days ago. John Brankis of Sports Science weighed in on Deflategate. Is this really a substantive matter? Did the deflating of footballs from 12.5 pressure per square inch PSI 
Did that have a tangible effect on the performance of the football? And did it help Tom Brady? Well, we know one thing. In the second half, Tom Brady with fully pumped up footballs, a.k.a. rugby balls, hockey pucks, in his mind, outscored the Colts 28 to nothing in the second half. Certainly, we can't invoke pressureless footballs or pressure-filled footballs. Brady was simply better. The Patriots were simply better. The Colts wouldn't have won regardless of the ball, whether it be a rosin bag, a Nerf football, or any other type of ball. But the John Brankis came out and said, scientifically, altering the PSU from 12.5 down to 10 would literally compress the football less than one millimeter. So you have a regulation football, the difference is less than one millimeter, not perceivable. In fact, deflating the footballs would have an adverse effect on the performance of the football. By that, the ball would be lighter, it would be slower. So in the NFL, do you think throwing a slower football would be an advantage? I don't think so. So it would actually slow the football down and make it lighter. And there's no evidence that it would be easier to catch because one millimeter of compression throughout a football would have a negligible effect. So there you have it, sports science, very reputable affiliate of ESPN, John Brankus, says no, no tangible effect on the ball. So why? Why would Tom Brady, why would these two knuckleheads from New England do this deflate situation? It's hypothesized by Brankus that the only reason is psychologically, that Brady feels like he does better with a with a softer ball. The same reason you can't alter a baseball cap in a pitcher. If you put a one-ounce object or a feather in the hat, a baseball pitcher will feel that his balance and equilibrium is thrown off. So it's a matter of preference. It's a matter of psychological reassurance, if you'd like. But there's no tangible scientific benefit to deflating footballs. And it looks like the NFL is in need of a rule change. The idea that the referees have the ball, they check it out, then they hand it back to the teams, and then there's an opportunity for the teams to alter the ball and then to return it to the play field is ludicrous. Frankly, this is the only major sport where the two teams don't play with the same exact ball. Could you imagine the NBA? A a team gets a rebound. The Clippers get a rebound. Uh Uh-oh, timeout. We've got to put a Clippers ball in. Oh, no, it goes to the Houston Rockets. We have a Houston Rockets ball. Even baseballs. There's a lot of lore about Gaylord Perry, spitballs, doctoring balls, pine tar, you name it. But even in Major League Baseball, the pitcher doesn't have his own ball. The team doesn't have his own ball. So there's every reason to change that stupid rule. And let's look at the history of it. Let me see. Who had a say in developing this rule? Hmm, Mr. Tom Brady. The plot thickens. Fast forward Major League Baseball. Dateline, Philadelphia. May 
19th, today's date, the Philadelphia Phillies, a six-game winning streak? What? Ryan Howard batting 350 for the last 12 games? Is this a Phoenix rising from the ashes? Maybe. Chase Utley, not so good. So you have the Phillies without any reason winning six games in a row and coming within two swept series of the Mets six games out. Shocking. The question remains, will the Philadelphia fans come back to the stadium where there will be 24,000 strong for each series? Well, you could be a little bit cynical or skeptical and say they've won against the worst of the worst. The Pittsburgh Pirates, the Arizona Diamondbacks, certainly if you're a Major League Baseball team and you want to get better, you want to get off the mat, you'd want to play the Arizona Diamondbacks and you'd want to go to Coors Field and play the hapless Colorado Rockies. And the Phillies are doing just that. And they have more of that until they come into the meat of their schedule again where they will have to play the red-hot, or I could say white-hot, New York Mets. NBA playoffs. Epic collapse. Game six. The Los Angeles Clippers with the 20-year history of Donald Sterling. Seemingly cursed. Plucked out of the air by $1 billion bid by Steve Ballmer, formerly of Microsoft. Game six, ready to ride it to the finals. And what happened? Someone intervened. His name is Josh Smith. Also take it off the scrap heap from the Atlanta Hawks. Josh Smith with an ailing James Harden recovering from a flu-like illness. Put the team on his back and strapped it up and single-handedly beat the Clippers at home at the Staples Center. What was left for Game 7? Not much. The Rockets continued the momentum and KO'd the Clippers. And the Clippers still remain championless. We look now at the Golden State Warriors. A team, in my mind, very similar to the Clippers. However, they have the Splash Brothers. They have Steph Curry. They have Thompson, and they have momentum on their side, the MVP, and it should be a great finals. I consider it, again, good versus evil. Steph Curry against Dwight Howard, and that will be a very interesting Western finals. Then you have the Cavs, who should cruise it to the finals against who else? The Atlanta Hawks. So the question is, it looks like it's going to be a good old-fashioned dogfight. LeBron and a partially injured Kyrie Irving against Thompson, Steph, and the Warriors. And we can't fail to mention Harrison Barnes, the boy from Ames, Iowa, who's come up big. Excellent defense. Barnes has... Dropped the three-pointer and has been an excellent complimentary player to the Splash Brothers. 
And wouldn't it be interesting to see the Golden State Warriors hold that famed NBA trophy? This first segment has gone quite quickly. Hope everybody's enjoying it. Shout out back to the production team at voiceamerica.com. Our sports director, Ray Ellis. Our illustrious president, Jeff Spinard. Stay tuned. We'll be back in three. flagship station for sports voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm here with my co-host, Spencer G. And we're here after what some would think was a rather chalky NFL draft. Let's look at the top of the board. Tampa Bay Buccaneers select with the first pick of the 2015 draft. Jameis Winston. Quarterback, Florida State. Uh, It's great to be back here on the air. Uh, just what a, what a sports weekend to digest. Everyone kind of has a sports hangover today because of the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Game 7 between the Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs. And then, of course, the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, which we will touch upon later. But right now, I think it's appropriate to look at the first part of the weekend, which was Thursday. And to look upon the NFL draft held in Chicago. And first off, I want to say that Chicago, I think that they did an excellent job covering the NFL draft. I mean, it looked like tons of fans are having a great time there, having fun. And they even opened it up on Saturday. Um, They even had it at an outdoor venue. But getting back to your original question on Jameis Winston and is he going to be successful, I think Winston has all the on-field intangibles to be successful. I think he could stand in the pocket until the last second and he doesn't mind taking a hit. I think that Winston can lead his receivers. He operates in a pro-style offense. And I think that Winston has the arm strength definitely to fit right into the NFL and make a big time impact day one and looking at his receivers that he has in Tampa Bay he has Austin Safarian Jenkins a tight end who's still very young that he can develop he has Mike Evans who many consider to be the best wide receiver coming out last year and the Texas A&M kid Mike Evans can go get any jump ball and he even made Luke McCown and Mike Lennon look pretty good last year and then you have an NFL veteran in Vincent Jackson that had a very productive career um, down in San Diego and then he continued it in the last season under Lovey Smith's system so for Jameis Winston he definitely has a supporting cast he has a Penn State offensive lineman and a Hartman Division 3 lineman um, coming in that are rookies that got drafted. So the hope is that Jameis Winston and this nucleus can be young and he can kind of take over the controls. We all understand that Jameis Winston has all the tools. One of the most exciting players, some of the highest hopes to come out. But even his own agent, a week and a half before the draft, noted Jameis has all the on the field tools. The question is, how's he going to handle himself off the field? You look at his judgment. Even after he was selected, he took a picture with with a tray of crab legs, poking fun at the whole incident of the crab legs. So was that really a wise decision? The question is, Jameis is a Florida guy. He's going to be in Tampa Bay. Tampa certainly has its distractions. And will he go the way of Johnny Manziel, which basically 
is he basically Johnny fell off the wagon he was distracted Johnny has well-known substance problems and in and to his credit Johnny has emerged from a long stint at rehab with the hopes of starting for the Cleveland Browns so you look at Jameis Winston you wonder is he going to clean up his act and mature like so many do or is he going to somehow fall to the pressures of money money can of course be a factor which causes people to be distracted and lose their focus by all accounts he's a brilliant football mind Jameis scored extremely high in the testing the psychological testing looking at his interviews at the compounds at the combines as you and I did he was extremely impressive and very charismatic very interesting to watch and you could contrast him with Marcus Mariota who is kind of a choir boy kind of bland shy and Jameis has got a load of charisma so the question I have as so many do is will he remain focused and be able to put off all the shenanigans that plagued his college career at Florida State well I certainly think it's worth the risk for Tampa Bay and of course we don't know the answer because we you know we can't predict the future but we could certainly estimate the future and looking at Jameis Winston's mistakes that are documented you have him taking crab legs from a supermarket but in reality what Jameis Winston said which could actually be true is he told Jim Harbaugh recently on NFL Draft Academy on ESPN he said Jameis Winston said that he knew a a guy who worked at Publix he knew a waiter that worked at Publix or a clerk that would give Jameis Winston free food and he built up this relationship because his buddy had a birthday party the the week before you got the crab legs and was given it for free. Um, now Jimbo Fisher heard about how Jameis Winston got in trouble at Florida State or or from the supermarket because the supermarket didn't know that the attendant gave him the crab legs and basically Jimbo Fisher said to Jameis Winston, um, "Just say that you stole them." Don't say you were giving them it for free because you're getting NCAA violation. Um, they'll think that you're getting bribes from the supermarket, which could put our program in jeopardy. So that's an interesting story on Winston. He was known for cursing at a student table. I think every kid has cursed before, um, even though he came out to the game in a jersey the next day. I mean, cursing, stealing the crab legs, stealing a soda from McDonald's. I mean, that's just... Um, kind of just child mistakes now the one allegation of course for the sexual assault that is something that's obviously different much more significant than the rest that's stepping into the grounds of actually being a disruptive person to society where these other ones just seem like kind of acts that can easily be cured so looking at winston right now and these other acts I think that Winston could certainly be cured, and the way that he could be cured, um, and and he doesn't even need to be cured because he's doing great. He's the number one pick in the draft. He had a tremendous college career. I think a lot of people make a lot of, of things up about Winston. He won't be under the same microscope he was at Florida State. Now he's a professional. Lovey Smith, just have some, just have a respectable veteran. T. 
teach him the ways. Room him with a respectable veteran. Don't room him with another young kid. And at Florida State, he's with all the college kids. Winston's trying to be well-liked, trying to be a daredevil type of character, maybe. And and, and he accomplished that in being well-liked. So in the NFL, Lovey Smith has to create a locker room environment that is very respectful. Um, and the veterans need to show Jameis Winston how to act mature off the field. And hopefully the rookie symposium will be able to positively affect Winston and prevent him from possibly engaging his behaviors more so towards alcohol and other sub, um, other things that could be worse. I think one point bears mention. That is, Jameis Winston was looked at from all angles of the lens. And at all points, he was found innocent. He was brought up to uh, by Florida State, and there was a former Supreme Court justice who listened to all the evidence, and there was nothing suggesting that Jameis had performed anything out of the order and nothing to confirm that he had sexually assaulted the victim. Out of respect to the alleged victim, not the actual victim, I'm not going to mention her name, even though her name's been all over and her picture's been all over. I think we want to show respect for her. But nonetheless, it was a little odd that after two years of silence, she came right before the draft and fired a civil suit against Jameis Winston. And I think that was timed as a money grab. So nobody knows what happened, but we do know that he wasn't found by the NCAA or by Florida State to have definitely committed any crimes or any violations and therefore went through and was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's go to the second pick. Certainly a very charismatic guy, Mr. Hawaii, Marcus Mariota from the high-flying Oregon Ducks goes to the Tennessee Titans, Ken Wisenhut. After weeks and months of speculation here in Philadelphia that Chip Kelly was going to be the wizard and literally was going to go from the 20th to the first or second draft pick, very anticlimactic. We in Philadelphia sat on our hands, and all we heard was Roger Goodell being booed again, even in Chicago, hoping that getting out of New York would change his idea. And unfortunately, the fans still haven't forgotten Roger and view him as, a, as certainly a, a dark uh, type of character. Well, I think that's kind of when you're part of a draft and it's kind of like strength in numbers sort of thing. When you're part of a crowd, you're more compelled to yell or to chant something than when you're by yourself. And I think that the whole feel of the draft, it's kind of like a tradition. And the fans in Chicago wanted to carry that tradition of booing the, tra- the commissioners. Even in the National Basketball Association with, St- with Stern, they would kind of do the same exact thing. And it's rare to hear applause from a commissioner before going up. And, and announcing picks. Um, when you look at Marcus Mariota here, and it's funny because the commissioner said Marcus and Mariotto, actually, um, which has been surfacing the internet lately, but Mariotta, uh, Mar- see, now I can't even say his name correctly, so I can't blame Goodell that much. Um, when I look at Marcus Mariota, um, I see a guy that 
didn't have to make a lot of high level throws in college. A guy that the system that is very fast, faster than a lot of defensive linemen and linebackers at the college level. Guy with decent size, not unbelievable throwing mechanics. Doesn't really grip the ball. Doesn't really fling the ball like a Stafford or even a Jameis Winston. Kind of has like Philip Rivers type of arm strength. But for Ken Wisenhunt to be successful with Mariota, I think they have to move him outside the pocket, give him a lot of short throws to be successful on and really utilize his legs to extend plays. You look at Colin Kaepernick of the San Francisco 49ers and the way he plays when the play breaks down, he could scramble and he needs to get out of bounds and be smart scrambling. And by every account of the imagination, Marcus Mariota is not a guy looking to get hit. You know, he's very smart. He knows exactly when to get out of bounds. But the thing is for Wisenhunt is that he shouldn't treat Mariota um, as a guy that's going to operate his West Coast system of drop back passing like Kurt Warner. I'd have him a lot in the shotgun, a lot of zone reads with Bishop Sankey, and just giving him some very simple plays to digest. And the good news for Mariota is that Tennessee has really been longing for a franchise quarterback since they kind of swung and missed um, with Jake Locker. Um, Kerry Collins uh, was there for a short stint, but that organization hasn't had much success other than the early 2000s under Jeff Fisher. So Tennessee really needs a spark, and I think that fans will be patient with Mariota, and he definitely has more upside than Mettenberger because Mettenberger is not the type of leader that I think Mariota could be. I think Mariota's personality molds very well for the Tennessee Titans, and Mettenberger can't really move. He doesn't have the mobility that Mariota can hold. So um, I definitely look at Mariota to uh, to start day one and I don't believe that he's going to have success immediately because Jameis Winston has a lot more weapons in Tampa Bay and, and under other than Hunter, Kendall Hunter and you know Nate Washington there's not a whole lot of wide receivers in, in Tennessee however the pick of Doriel Green Beckham in the second round if Green Beckham can kind of fix his off the field issues the sky is the limit he's a first round talent that went to college at Missouri and Oklahoma as a wide receiver a 6 foot 5 frame so Doriel Green Beckham could be very special for the Titans um with Marcus Mariota. So it should be really interesting to monitor his progress. I don't see him having a slam run rookie season. I see Winston kind of fitting into the mold a lot faster than Mariota. And it will be interesting to see if Mariota could, if, if there's going to be a lot of growing pains with him because in college you really didn't see him struggle at all for any length of time. I think I'd like to... Look at the at the list of draftees, mm-hmm. and there are a few surprises here that bear mentioning. One is the Redskins taking Brandon Scherf from Iowa. Certainly, the highlights of Scherf certainly look like uh, WWF, and that not only does he pancake people, but then he lays on top of them, and essentially does a wrestling move. And it looks like the the New York Giants thought they could nab their guy at Route 9, at number 9, and instead drafted a guy named Eric, with interesting spelling, first name, from Miami, a huge 6'6", 330-pound guy who 
certainly reading his Twitter feed, looks like a young, somewhat immature kid. But listening to people talk about him, really is a guy who's a hardworking guy. He actually bench-pressed the most in the combine. And Eric Flowers might be the answer to start immediately at offensive guard. In fact, he played tackle in college, but he's listed now as a guard prospect. He just doesn't look fast enough to play tackle. You look at Pugh, and he really, Justin Pugh, he really struggled at the tackle spot. So look actually for, um, Look actually for Eric Flowers to play right tackle because they have Will Bet Be- Beatty who had a uh, who had a pretty good year last year. So look for Pew to be moved inside at his natural position of guard. I look at Flowers if he can kind of get his conditioning right. Eric Flowers, I think he could be a successful player for the Giants. From what he heard, from what we've heard about him, he's very close to his dad. He's kind of a quiet and shy kid, and even though he's from Miami, which is known as a notorious area for partying. As teenagers, Flowers doesn't seem to have that profile about him. He seems to be a gym rat that just really enjoys the grind of being a good offensive lineman and being better. So I did think the Giants could have traded though this pick and gotten Flowers later, as you alluded to, because he was projected in the mid twenties from Kuiper and McShay's draft boards. So looking at at Brandon Scherf, that definitely would have been the guy from Iowa that also would have fitted fit in like a glove in the Giants system as well. But I think Flowers, um, given time, could suffice to be a pretty decent pick, even taking him as high as number nine. Well, this is going to be it for the segment of Bruce the Sports Talk. We're going to come back in a little while with some NFL, more NFL draft talk. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? 
Get ready for cheap shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. You want to apologize back to the producers at voiceamerica.com? Our first segment, we got so deep into the draft that it seems like we went way over. So this will be a mini segment, and it's time to talk about miniature fighters. Manny Pacquiao against Floyd Mayweather. We, like so many other people, forked out a nice Benjamin for the fight. And like many, I was frankly disappointed by the fight itself, as well as frankly, the outcome. I have tremendous respect for Floyd Mayweather, but he's fought 46 times very similarly. Extremely defensive, with long arms, unbelievable elusive ability. But what you don't see is what was missing, comparing it to so many other fights like Ali Frazier. This was supposed to be the fight of the century and left many people yawning. Well, looking back upon this fight... It is not that surprising that it was a boring fight. And a lot of fans that were excited for this fight kind of fell into the trap because they looked at boxing as trying to have a resurgence. And a lot of people watching this fight, I could gather, were not really fans of boxing prior to this fight. They were probably fans of it because everybody around them was interested and Floyd Mayweather does such a good job of marketing and puffing up the fight. And that's really where Floyd is special, is at promoting it. So, looking at the fight, though, Floyd Mayweather is always, he has always been a defensive fighter, and that yields to boringness. But you know what? Floyd's main objective, like every other athlete pretty much, is to win. And guess what? The guy is undefeated. He's unblemished. He's 48-0. and 0. So, you can't really blame Floyd Mayweather for being boring, because guess what? 
he's not there to entertain. He's there to do a job, and he's there to win. Now, the fight could have been more entertaining is if Manny Pacquiao fought like he did in the early 2000s when he fought Morales and Barrera, and he fought in the featherweight division. Pacquiao was a lot more aggressive, and he's been known to be kind of a brawler, and it would have been interesting to see him instill his tactics on a defensive Floyd and force Floyd to actually be offensive. That's one that's exciting is when you have an over-aggressive fighter and then Floyd Mayweather has to actually punch and knock that guy out. That could actually be very exciting if you overexert yourself. There are two factors here. Firstly, Floyd waited till Pacquiao was of a certain age. He's already lost five fights. Pacquiao has been knocked out on two occasions. So I don't think that Floyd Mayweather wanted to fight Manny in his prime and waited till just the right time. He also selected a great venue where he's had uh, great, great skill. And and, um, I'm not going to use the word luck, but the MGM Grand is certainly where Floyd has enjoyed many of his great victories. And finally, basically, he forced Floyd, he forced Pacquiao to move up in weight class and looking at the two fighters Pacquiao certainly at a lighter weight the featherweights had a lot of hand speed and at this weight it didn't appear that Pacquiao, even though he had some flurries in the first five rounds, he he probably won between two and four rounds out of 12 just never cracked through and it looked like Floyd was using the old alley rope-a-dope just holding his arms up and daring Pacquiao to injure him, and, and there was none. There were no knockdowns in this fight. In fact, both fighters didn't even appear to have been engaged in a fight. Floyd Mayweather was probably able to go out to dinner and not be noticed as somebody who had just been involved in the fight of the century. I mean, that's that's kind of true, actually, that if they were sitting next to you at dinner, you would have thought that they just were watching TV or playing video games in their basement all night and not engaging in any contact. And... You know, looking again at Floyd's style, uh, this is this is what he does, and I guess it could be disappointing for the sport of boxing that you want you want something I- exciting, you want you want like a fighter's mentality, and a lot of other sports are gaining traction because UFC and WWE is a sport is or are sports in the octagon where there where there has to be physical contact and there's less political fanfare. I do actually believe that I do actually believe that the political fanfare did make it more entertaining watching this fight, but I would really appreciate some aggressive style of boxing. It's kind of like Virginia basketball. Virginia just plays defensive style basketball and to think that Floyd Mayweather or Virginia basketball would shoot a million threes and not rely on defense, it's just like a team in college football, Georgia Tech. They always run the option. They always run ISO runs. They don't ever throw the ball. They only throw it maybe four times a game and it's not very fun to watch but it's effective and that's kind of like comparing Floyd Mayweather's style so a lot of boxing fans were not aware of his style and that's why it yielded to a boring genre of a fight when we look at the CompuBox numbers Floyd laid so many more punches and connected with so many but like so many athletes in the past Floyd is so smooth 
and is so effortless and, and his hand speed is so quick that you're not even aware of these quick jabs, these counter punches. But when you look at the CompuBox numbers, he basically landed twice as many punches as Manny Pacquiao. So this is analogous to Olympic boxing. If you watch Olympic boxing, basically you don't expect a knockout. The, the guy that wins is the one who connects with more punches. And Mayweather did a great job of eluding Pacquiao. The, the la- I think that Pacquiao ran out of gas in the last three rounds. They were really boring. So what do you remember when you watch a movie? You remember the end of the movie? You read a book, the end? The last three rounds were the least interesting. You were just waiting for Pacquiao to kick it into gear and really throw some combinations, and it never happened. Guess what? This fight could have been unbelievable. You're right. If in the last round, if Floyd in any point was was threatened to be knocked out or to go down, the fight would have been very entertaining. And I do think it adds something that Floyd is unblemished. He's 48-0. and 0, He's undefeated. And I think that whenever a boxer is close to beating him, I think that that will be extremely entertaining to see him kind of up against the ropes and... For Floyd Mayweather or or the sport of boxing, I believe that you need an aggressive style fighter that's either a villain or a star. You need some sort of aggressive guy that is spotlighted like this. And I don't think that boxing has really spotlighted since Delahoya and Mayweather are so much older now. Golden Boy Productions, they need a young star that they could really boost that's really aggressive and charismatic to save the sport. We want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger, Voice America Sports. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.